Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 75. This is our 2019 PGA Championship Tip Show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams, plus long-standing podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Naturally, we're available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is in the description box. Our Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. I will put a link through to this week's PGA Championship show in the description box. Now, for your reference... We're also going to be bringing out a DraftKings episode. Now, that could be later today, could be tomorrow, but, but uh, we're going to pull together a DraftKings episode. So if you're into that uh, into that actual way of playing the PGA Championship, we're pulling together a dedicated episode for that. Uh, naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. And as we say, our currency really is rating and reviewing us on iTunes. So if you could leave us a review and rate us, naturally, that will be very, very good for us and we will read them out at the start of next week's show. Right, last podcast, podcast 74 was our uh, PGA Championship preview podcast and in that we asked for some questions from, uh, from listeners and we've had uh, quite a few come through. So let's crack on and get them answered. This first one's from James Alexander. Thank you, James. Love the pod. Great insights and information. Question. We used the stat, par four, birdie or better, to narrow our search for the Masters, even though Tiger didn't show up in the top ten. But yes, that's true. Is there a stat you guys are focused on narrowing your selections for this week's PGA Championship? What have you used, guys? Um, well, personally, I think the way this sets up this week, um, it's going to be a long course. It's going to be a wet course. Um, it's going to be playing, uh, playing soft. Um, there's a serious demand on keeping the ball in play on this track. So for me, um, I've started a lot of my analysis with total driving, um, on the PGA tour and then created a proxy for it effectively on, European tour for the European tour players, so that's a combination of driving distance and accuracy. Because I think you're going to need some power this week. Um, I think you're going to need some accuracy to give yourself uh, enough chances to hit greens to to make a score. It's not not going to be a not going to be a cakewalk to use the phrase that you uh, you used in your preview, Steve. Um, it's it's going to be a challenging week, I think. So so yeah, stats. Um, I don't think it's as straightforward as the the Masters in terms of picking that or cherry picking that one stack because clearly that par four birdie or better stuck out like a sore thumb, didn't it? Um, but yeah, for me, total, total driving would be the key one, and I think strokes gained off the street, T strokes gained T to green have got to be part of the mix as well. I think all of those stats related to how you perform um, with the longer clubs have got to be pretty critical this week for me. No, I'm with you on the total driving. Yeah, that was one of the ones I looked at, and I did. I'm a big fan of bogey avoidance. Mm. Uh, I think 
birdies are not going to be very easy to come by this week. Um, so, yeah, keeping keeping the uh, bogeys and doubles even off the card uh, means makes your life an awful lot easier. So uh, those birdies when they do come along count uh, count for an awful lot more. So uh, yeah, a little and I was looking at strokes gained um, approach as well. So. I do think that that kind of you know to, to have a good strokes gained approach, you need to be in good positions off the tee. So it kind of leads back to the off the tee as well, mm. but it also um, adds in a little bit of the element of uh, your approach shots from the rough. So it's a little bit of a not too specific stat, but I think high GI or this week is going to be a uh, a key factor to success. Tell you what, I found interesting the total driving stats this week because they played. Um trinity forest last week which had like um 660 yard wide fairways yeah yeah some of the some of the players have fallen uh almost 30 spots without playing there so players that clearly played at trinity forest last week have jumped 30 spots and players that didn't have slumped 30 spots so yeah yeah so that was an interesting one for me but um, you have to take them into context don't you particularly with the if some some players have focused solely on the on the tougher tracks or the majors and WGCs or whatever in a season, yeah. it can seriously skew their numbers, can't it? Just for reference, numbers that I'm seeing at the top of the drive, total driving list right now, I'll give you the top 11 who are playing. Woodland at two, DeChambeau at three, Paul Casey at four, Justin Harding five, Louis Oosthuizen at six, Abraham Anser, John Rahm tied seven, Daniel Berger at nine, Tied with Brooks Kepka, Emiliano Grio at 11. I said 11, but I'm going to keep going, sorry. Uh, then we've got the likes of Bradley, Charles Howe third, and one Tiger Woods tied mm. 13th with Charles Howe. Just to round it out, Jason Kokrag, who's been backed off the board this week, he's in the top 15. And if you read that, if, there's some names there that have performed well at Beth Page. Woodland, one of them. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen's got a top five around here. And, of course, Emiliano Grio was second at the last time they played here, back in 2016. Yeah, certainly seems to be a level of correlation there. And I think I think it's right. Logically, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's long track. It demands a lot of the a lot of the tee. So hitting it long, hitting it straight, and a combination of those two factors should be something that um, gives you an advantage this week. Whether it's the key stat, you know, you still got to be able to putt and scramble, um, and it's all very well being long and straight off the tee. But if the rest of your game's gone to pot, then uh, you're still not going to win. But, uh, but yeah, it's a decent enough starting point, I think, to answer the original question. Key stats for me: no one, no one outside, no one outside the top forty in in uh, driving distance has won this. Um, apart from Jason Duthner in 2013, which was played at Oak Hill, which is very claustrophobic, claustrophobic short past 70. Mm. So I'm looking for power off the tee. Um, I'm also looking for guys who on their last appearance were very strong in terms of strokes gained approach, as Barry said. And um, it isn't a stat as such, but guys that hit plenty of greens and were a decent number in terms of their strokes gained tee to green on the last appearance is where I'm heading with this. And I'm also looking for players who actually had some forward momentum in their towards uh, or during their last tournament outing. So, um, you know, 
that tends to be a trend where someone like Justin Thomas, uh, he started the week very slowly at his previous outing at Bridgestone and then he ended the weekend very, very strong. I think he was in the top five of that tournament across the weekend in terms of scoring. So people yeah. that are entering here with confidence. Yeah, rounding that, into form. Rounding into form. Just coming here, going in, oh, I'm playing some very nice golf right now. So that's where I went with it. Right. Uh, Keith Trenery, thank you for your question. How much credibility do you put on strokes gained from the rough? I think with the chance of it being wet, this is a vital stat this week. Now, that strokes gained from the rough isn't a statistic that you can find on the PGA Tour website. I think it's a, it's a statistic that's obviously available out there, but it's, uh, it's something I haven't seen. The stat that I kind of think is similar to that, which is free to air, free to, for everyone to look at, available on the PGA Tour website, is the GIR percentage other than fairway. Yeah, it's a similar proxy for a proxy for the same kind of thing, isn't it? Now, there's some names here that jump off the page. Um, 65.66%, number one is Tiger Woods. Uh, number five, Ryan Palmer. Six, Paul Casey. Seven, Dustin Johnson. Uh, nine, Johnny Vegas. Ten, Corey Connors, tied with Brooks Kepka. Uh, we can go on and on. Duffner, Berger. Uh, Hideki Matsuama's in the top 15. And you can work your way down. But yes, I think that's a, 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 a statistic that um, could throw some light on guys. that You are going to miss fairways. The fairways here are too thin in their nature and difficult to hit, where you're not going to be hitting the, grad, you know, the graduated rough. Um, so that statistic of someone that can actually get the ball on the green from you know positions off the fairway I think is a relevant one yeah being able to gouge it out and actually rather than just laying up and then having to pitch it in um, if you can get yourself up to up to the green you know, by hook or by crook then uh, yeah you've got to have an advantage haven't you I think mm. and that, that that rough this week is likely to be um, wet it's likely to be thick um, it's, it's in the middle of their Growing season in terms of the in terms of the rough growing, so it's uh, yeah. You don't want to be in there, do you? First and foremost, but if you are in there, you want to want to have the ability to find your way out safely, one way or another. Kerry Haig, who sets the courses up for the PGA of America, has stated it's going to be three to three and a half inches of rough, and you know it'll be the typical graduated rough that we usually see. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be. It's, and it's if you go wider system. than that, you're in the you're in sort of waist high fescue. Mm. That's that's not a good look, I don't think. And the other thing to bear in mind around this golf course is the bunkers aren't any um, cakewalk either, because they reckon that the fairway bunkers have got such steep lips on them that you can't, in many circumstances, play from a fairway bunker and actually get it on the green. You just have yeah. to lay up. And when you're dealing with a golf course that's got some absolutely shockingly long par fours, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's no gimme either, is it? No, and it, you know it all points towards a, a, a challenging winning score. And, and yeah. Barry, you went through some um, 
winning scores last time, regardless of whether it was a past 70 or past 71, the way it had been set up that particular week. Particular week. And they, they were very consistent, weren't they? They were all around the kind of mid-275 bracket. So um, if we assume it's going to be somewhere in that mix, you know, in that, in that ballpark again this week, then you're looking at kind of single figures under par to get the job done here this week, I think. What's your gut feel, Barry, on winning school? Minus seven, mm. minus eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you spot. Them. Yeah, well, there's only two par fives, isn't there? They've they've, they've converted the um, par five that was used for the Barclays to a long par four. So, mm. um, whilst you're playing largely the same hole, just from a slightly different tee, um, it's um, it's it's not going to enhance scoring in any shape or form. And yeah, you're essentially playing the same course, just to, just calling it a par seventy. Just um, to bear yeah. that, put that in 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 some kind of perspective for listeners. Kepka won last year at sixteen under. Justin Thomas won at eight under in twenty seventeen, but that was on a firm and fiery golf course, but still relevant. We've had fourteen under, twenty under Jason Day, McElroy at sixteens, Oak Hill in thirteen was ten under, and then you have to go back to twenty eleven. Keegan Bradley at Atlanta Athletic when he overhauled Jason Duffner in the final round, eight under par. Yeah, that feels more like it. It feels like more kind of correlation and, you know, in terms of the challenge from uh, from tee to green. We shall see. Doesn't seem like a typical PGA Championship venue. No, no, no it feels more like a US Open, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, yeah. given, given where we've got it in the schedule as well, you know, it's, in, in, in my mind, I keep, you know, flitting between it being a US Open and, and not a US PGA, but of course it is a US PGA Championship. We've got the US Open next month, but yeah, it's I, it's going to be it's going to be different, isn't it? It's not going to be a, mm. it's not going to be your standard um, scorable US PGA unless they move the tees up, unless they make the pin positions favourable. But you can't see that. He said that, that he said he might happen. move the thirteenth tee forward on a couple of rounds, the six hundred and eight yard par five to make it reachable to That's, a few. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the real good kick, idea. The real kick in the uh, the ghoulies for the players this week is the seventh, isn't it? Which is yeah. usually a five twenty four par five. Uh, if that would if that was in play, you, you, it would be sort of ten twelve under wins it this week. But yeah. the fact that they've converted it to a five hundred twenty four yard par four makes it far more US Open like, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. It's like a double identity double identity switch with the the change in style of course and of and the the date switch as well. Mm. So, uh I kind of like that they're giving it a a, a full on punt to yeah, ignite the PGA Championship. Yeah. It should be it, it should it should be um it'll be a torturous week for for betting and following your guys because there will be disaster and heartbreak out there. As per every week. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, 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 I guess. <laughs> now, on our Facebook group, which, again, there's a link in the description box t- for listeners, um, come and join. We're, we're approaching 5,000 uh, people in the private group, so you're more than welcome to join. You put a, um, a thread out there, Paul, just for some questions and feedback from our members, and I know you've collated some of that. Do you want to just go through that? Yeah, it's it's always interesting to to pull some views of um of you know some very learned um golf punters. So, um, rather than doing a poll, which I've done in the past, which just gives you a very kind of um, simplistic view, I just asked for some some words around players that 
people fancy for this. The question was, who's your best bet for the US PGA Championship? So there's a mix here of play, people who've gone for who they think are going to be winning outright, and and those who also think there's some value in some longer longer price players a bit further down the list. So I'll just give you a flavour of it. And Steve said, if you fancy reading all of the comments, then pop along to the group because there's some some really good feedback on there. And by far the most popular player. Um, picked on there um, was Brooks Kepka. So the likes of, I'll just read a few of the names out, the people who've mentioned or given some kind of uh, validation for Kepka. You've got James Smith, Keith Trenary, Steve Mountain, Ken Andrews, Darren Jordan, JB Zola, Mark Wellington, all fancied a bit of um, Kepka. Darren Jordan said he's a stone-cold killer, turns up for the majors. Definitely can't be out of the top 10. And I guess if you're looking at a player... Um, with the 10 places each way that is available out there at the moment. And um, I know um, we'll get into Kepka a little bit more detail further on. Then um, given the way that he's playing, given the way that he plays majors, um, it is a stretch to see him finishing outside the top 10, I must say. You know, he, he just um, kind of ambled around last week. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, he did, didn't he? he yeah. Ambled with, around, yeah. You know, without a care in the world, really. And, uh, you know, he shot yeah, three he rounds in the top ten for that day scorers out of the four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's perfect, perfect warm up, I think. Um and going for some of the other names that mentions, there's, there's a little bit of love for the likes of uh, Molinari, Jason Day, um, Sergio was mentioned a few times, Tommy Fleetwood Stenson. Um in Bubba Watson got a fair few mentions. Um of the favourites, um, Hans Geevers, he was talking about Dustin Johnson, who thinks he's somewhat overlooked at the top of the market. Um, number one on Poana, um, which we discussed in last um, last week's preview show. Yeah. And it hits the ball forever. And the Poana um, link is going to be a critical element this week as well, I think. I know we talked about the key stats um, a second ago, but um, being able to play on Poana um, and the... Uh, the challenges that playing on Poana Greens presents is going to be a critical factor. And Dustin Johnson has by far the best record and winning record on Poana Greens of the players that are in this field this week. And I can see exactly where Hans is coming from there, I must say. Um, Gary Woodland's mentioned a few times. Um, Marco Caranos, John Caron, uh, John Curran rather, Anthony Johnson all mentioned Woodland. And I know... Um, Barry's um, one of Barry's favourites. I'm sure Barry will tell us why he has or hasn't backed but Gary Woodland when we get a bit further down the uh, down into the podcast. And um, some of the longer prizes that are mentioned: Ryan Moore, um, Ken Banks talked about Ryan Moore. He shows a, shown a liking for Beth Page in the past. I mean, my knee jerk reaction with Ryan Moore, given what we've said so far, is that um, he may not quite have the power to. Uh, to overturn a uh, a soggy Beth Page Black, but certainly got the the accuracy. Um, would be my knee jerk reaction to that, but um, my knee jerk reactions have proven to be um, wrong. Cool your jets there, Paul. <laughs> His last three results at Beth Page are seventh, twenty fourth, and tenth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Deep grinds. Yeah, yeah. Um, James Smith Hands Gave has also mentioned. Um, uh, mentioned Ryan Moore as well so um, I get some even longer prizes Corey Connors um, he won the uh, Valero Texas didn't he recently um, 250 to 1 Neil Fay fancies a bit of Corey Connors and again given some of the key stats that we were looking at GIR percentage from uh, other than the fairway he was in the top 10 of that stat that you mentioned a second ago Steve 
22nd um, for total driving. Hmm. Yeah, there's some uh, some logic with Connors. It's a big price for a player who's who's won recently. A couple of mentions for Julian Suri, big hitting local boy. He's um, uh, yeah, he's from New York. I know he's playing over on the European tour, but Donnelly now. But he's uh, he's a New York lad originally. So um, so yeah, again, the, the game kind of fits with Suri, doesn't it? He's a he's a, he's a long aggressive hitter. If he can keep the ball in play, then um, whether whether he can step up to the the major. Level is a is a, is, a, is you know something we're going to see over the next few years. But he's a talented lad, That's absolutely. Um, then a few, a lot of people actually fancied two of the same people. One of them, Scott Piercy, um, and I think Piercy, given what we saw last week with his um, bogey-free seventy-two holes, which was an incredible feat in itself. You mentioned bogey avoidance, Barry. Um, if you, if Scott Piercy wins this USPGA Championship um, and people haven't backed him, regardless of the price, and looking at the stats afterwards, say, well, you know, Piercy's gone round to Beth Page and made two bogeys a week, and it was so bloody obvious because he didn't make any the previous week and was clearly scrambling, hitting greens, hitting fairways. Um, it, you know, it, it'd be one of the most obvious long shots ever to have landed, I think, at a major championship. But so. Golf doesn't work like that, as we know. He could uh, he could turn up this week, and um, I know you were saying off air, Barry, that uh, he, did, uh, he didn't make any bogeys last week, and he might make his full quota of them in the first round or two this week, and uh, be going home by Friday evening. Yeah, at, at the risk of uh, well, can, yeah, at the risk of sounding stupid, I, I just don't get that same feeling uh, with about Piercy that I had with um, Molinari for the Open when I said, if we look back on next week after. He wins. We'll all say, "Well, of course he won. He was playing the best golf." I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how his game, how you know, he translates from playing Trinity Forest last week to uh, which was not firm and fast, but certainly the ball was rolling out mm. to reasonable distance to um, very different style of golf course. Yeah, no, absolutely. He does like it soft though. I'll give that with Scott Piercy. There's there's a lot to like about him, and I know he's been absolutely hammered um, this week. There's a few players who've uh, uh, you know clearly clearly got some logic to him. Um, Dave McKenna, Mark Gillies, both fancy Lucas Glover, who won here in 2009. It wasn't so long ago. Everyone was uh, raving about Lucas Glover. He's clearly long, straight, and um, he'd miraculously found that putter that had been. Uh, uh, letting him and his uh, him and his wife down so badly um, at various points over the last uh, last few years, but I think the most popular long shot um, on the group was Jason Kokrak. Um, Adam Hunter says incredibly consistent this season, long off the tee, seventeenth stroke gain tee to green in twenty nineteen. Sent for the Barclays in twenty sixteen. Here seems to show his best form on tough golf courses, which is a very pertinent summary of Jason Kokrak and again like Scott Piercy he has been absolutely backed off the boards this week so far Jim Rogers Mark Wellington James Smith Paul Moran, um, all fancy a bit of Kokrak this week as I said come along to the group have a read of some of the comments and um, some of the uh, reasons why people are backing various players this week there's a lot on there thanks for all of your feedback guys I'm sorry if I've missed any there were lots of comments on there but um, just to give you a flavour I think there's a lot of people gravitating to the same kind of players which um, yeah 
can be a good thing, can be a bad thing when the world and his wife are all in the same same player and uh, it all goes horribly wrong. But we shall see. I think one, oh, don't one put of the that insa- Sorry, Bow, you go. Go on. I was just saying, don't put that voodoo on us, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> on the basis we're over in Europe, I think some of the insight that we can give, especially to our North American listeners, is um, just European tour players. And if you actually, uh, let's take Julian Shuri as an example. Because I know that you, you're very sweet on Shuri just as a, as a player, Paul, because he's a regular mm. on your tour. I'm just, I'm gonna, I'll just cast my, my numbers back to just the end of 2017. Eighth at Valderrama, which is completely different to this, but the point with that is very, very high-scoring golf course where you need to be able to grind. Yeah, Second yeah. at Fang Ling, very similar, Hong Kong Open in 2017. Another, you know, that isn't 25 under winning that golf tournament. It tends to be single digits. Mm-hmm. Um, you then go forward to the Open de France last year where he finished second at the yeah. Golf National, another tough, stretching golf course. And PGA Championship last year, played at Bell Reeve on a you know, soft golf course, a long golf course. He was 12th going into Sunday after 54 yeah. holes, finished 19th. You know, British Masters played at Walton Heath. That was another tough golf course, really, really uh, tough wind conditions. He was fifth. And so far... You know, last three outings. Fourth in India. We know how tough that golf course is. He was actually leading, wasn't he, after 54 holes. Uh, second at the trophy, Hassan Der, another tough golf course, and 19th last time out in China. So he's playing some very, very good golf, Julian Shuri, and a local yeah, lad yeah. too. Yeah, there is a lot to like about him. I mean, that, that Indian Open fourth doesn't tell the whole story because up until the 14th hole, he, was, he looked the winner all the way. And um, mm-hmm. for those who aren't, I favor with the Indian Open and how it how it sets up. It's um it's brutal to the extent that it could be classed as unfair on some holes. And he arrived on the fourteenth hole, he was probably yard out with his approach until the fourteenth hole, which has got runoffs virtually all around the green. Um and he, he chipped up and down the side of the green three or four times and ended up making a quadruple bogey eight. Um a yard or so different with his approach shot, he'd have made par or birdie and he'd have won the golf tournament. He's very, very close. Uh, Morocco, the trophy, Hassan Dur isn't a um, simple track either. But I, I think what the, some of the results that you've read through there um, suggest how versatile he is as a player. Yeah. Because um, yeah, yeah. in my mind, he's more of a an aggressive kind of risk reward merchant. But his results show that he's well capable. Mm. Of, uh, of changing his style of play or adapting his yeah. approach so that he can he can perform. That sniffs of a top quality player. That sniffs of a player who is going to contend at major championships in the it's, future. It sniffs of an elite golfer, doesn't it? A yeah. a, um, a Brooks Kepka from five years ago when he was playing his trade on the European Tour. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Not that I'm so, suggesting Julian Shuri will be a, a major winning monster, but it does suggest that he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot to like about. I mean, as you say, in, in New York this week, so there's going to be some home comforts in that uh, respect as well. Could be a very interesting DraftKings play, I think, Shuri. Mm-hmm. Very lower ownership. Right then, i tell you what I was going to do now that we've gone through the, uh, as you said, Paul, thank you for all that feedback and thank you for the questions, most appreciated. i tell you what I was going to do. I was just going to kind of place where we're at in terms of a betting heap. Um, just to make listeners aware, 
Um, the golf course had taken a lot of water on board start of the previous week, but this week it's on Sunday it's taken thirty two mil, and yesterday just to top it up it took another seventeen mil. So that golf course has taken fifty millimeters of rain in the last twenty four hours, mm. and um, I'll just convert that to inches while we're talking for our North American friends. That's just under two inches of rain in the last 24 hours. And as we know, out in New York, they've got the same kind of temperatures this time of year that we have over here in Northern Europe. So I think during the week of the tournament itself, you're going to be seeing just your your 20, you know, just a nice 22 degrees Celsius. We're not we're not in a country where, you know, you, you're looking at 35, 38 degrees and that, and that, that golf course is going to quickly um, become a lot firmer. So mm. I think at least for the opening two rounds, we're going to see a very soft golf course, a very receptive golf course on the greens and a very lush golf course in terms of both the fairways and the rough. So that's a, that's a interesting thing to take on board. Um, but yeah, let's talk top four in the market because actually, if you look at the prices, they're very, very similar. Um, a lot of bookmakers, take uh, Coral, for example. Coral, as of now, Tuesday morning over here in the United Kingdom, are 10 to 1 on Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods. They can't separate them. There's nothing like sitting on the fence, is there? Crazy, eh? <laughs> um, it looks like Kepka's probably the slight favourite, although I'm not so sure. I think, you know, I'm seeing Dustin Johnson as a favourite with Betfred. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to go through there for, you know, we're talking about clearly four very good golfers and in the, in the um, guise of Tiger Woods, probably the best golfer that's ever been on the planet. But I thought these, two, I've actually gone through their major um, um histories this morning just to because I've, I've i've never heard this myself so i thought i'd do it so i'll start with dustin johnson 39 majors 16 top 10s of which seven of those were top fives and one win if you actually look that take that top five as the traditional each way payout that works out as a 21 percent payout dustin johnson in the majors that he's actually been in yeah one mm. win rory mcelroy 41 majors 18 top 10s, of which 8 top 5s, plus 4 wins. That percentage payout jumps to 29% for Rory McIlroy. Brooks Kepka, defending champion. 21 majors, so significantly less. 9 top 10s, of which 4 top 5s, plus the mere matter of 3 wins. That payout percentage is 33% if you're looking at it from an each-way angle. So, you know, you just lay that over Dustin Johnson, for example. There's there's quite a significant difference there. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, Tiger Woods. Now, this took me about 10 minutes to count up. 81 majors, 41 top 10s, of which 18 are top fives and an additional 15 wins. That is a 41% payout. Just from an each-way perspective, clearly the 15 wins would make that, you know, if we worked it through on a that kind of basis. So yeah. I just thought it, when you actually go to a clean sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper, and you write those four names down and what they've done in majors, I thought that was a fascinating view. 
Yeah, and it is, it is interesting. Because they're all Johnson. pretty much exactly the same price this week. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, and, and theoretically, you look at the you look at the field, and you look, so you look at the look at the way this sets up this week. And um, you know, my eye was initially drawn to Dustin Johnson, um, but as you say, if you actually boil down how he performs and has performed historically when it comes to majors, and the, and the majors that he's been in with a really strong chance of converting and hasn't done mm. over the years, oh, yeah. um, then uh, go all the way back to twenty ten PGA, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. And there's there's, 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 there's straights. Yeah, there's Whistling Straits. There was uh, Pebble Beach around the same time as well. You know, there was uh, a lot Bay, of... Bay 2015, yeah. when I was yeah, on it, board and he, he he just needed to two-part to win. Yeah, and the number of open cha- open championships where he's been in, you know, either at halfway or after 54 holes in, a, in an incredibly strong position to seriously contend and, and, and hasn't converted. There's... Yeah, there's there is a question mark there, and it's continued again. I mean, him and him and Rory over the course of uh, this season, both of them have raised question marks about their uh, conversion rate on a Sunday um, from very strong positions for who you know for two truly elite players. It's um, it's a little converting uh, concerning, and then then you get uh, Woods who had one sniff at uh, Augusta, and uh, and bang, away you go. I'm hearing Barry desperately totting up Ricky Fowler's numbers. <laughs> That's exactly oh, what it's... I'm going to do while you talk for five, uh, for 30 seconds, Barry. On Ricky. I don't I, I can't, I, at this stage can I even give up? I haven't actually backed him yet. Um I'm thinking about a theory of uh, hanging on. I've counted up the Ricky. majors, 37. Keep going. Okay. Yeah. Without a win, obviously. Um, but well, I'm thinking about the theory of waiting. Uh, he starts slow, so uh, hopefully his odds will slide out a bit and then jump on, except the fact that I'll not get the, the full amount of places. But um, yeah. There you go. Uh, I've, got, I've made it. All right. 37 Maybe. major appearances. Mm-hmm. 10 top 10s, of which eight are top fives. So you do the maths. Do, 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 do. That is a payout of twenty-two percent, which is actually pretty much in line with Dustin Johnson. Hmm. I'm just taking a top five, mm. and it's very, very basic. Yeah. Top five as an each way payout. It's interesting with Ricky, isn't it? Because again, statistically, when I looked at him, the the way that he played at Quail, you look at all of the categories we're looking at. His numbers are absolutely. Top notch. And he was seventh here the last time at Beth Page. And he was leading for a long, long time. Into yeah, Sunday. He, he's he stacks up in so many of the stats like He always I'm does though, doesn't he? Week. That's the problem. Yeah. Whatever cruel, tournament uh, I look at throughout the year, Ricky Fowler is a full house on the statistics. Hmm. I, 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 I go. On. Go on, no, you go. I, I, I retweeted a, a tweet from uh, Nosferatu, who's uh, on at VC606. So do do follow him if you want all of the information on the OWGR, an, an excellent resource to follow. Um, and he tweeted tweeted uh, yesterday that Tiger Woods can become the world number one this week um, if Dustin Johnson finishes worse than Solo 11th and if Brooks Kepka or Justin Rose 
don't finish solo second. Another big plot line for this week. Um, you know, and does Tiger need to win? Or? So, yeah, sorry, Tiger wins. Um, Dustin okay. Johnson finishes um, worse than solo eleventh, and uh, Kepka and Rose don't finish solo second. Um, so it seems like it's only a matter of time, even if it's not this week. Absolutely. I, given, given his, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the lack of, of, of why is he for the no no. Exactly. The, 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 Given the way that the uh, OWGR is ca- uh, calculated, he's uh, yeah he's he hasn't played the requisite events to to get a full ranking effectively. So the the more decent finishes he he tops up over the next few weeks and months, the higher he's going to go. Um, it does. It looks fairly in, 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 inevitable as long as he stays fit and healthy and plays some good golf, he's going to get very very close to being world number one again. Forty one percent payout. Last three majors. Sixth at Carnoustie, second at the PGA, first at Augusta. He was the last player to win the opening two majors. That was in 2002, where he won the Masters. He then came to Beth Page and won the US Open. I'm wondering if I've made a terrible, ter- terrible error and not put Tiger Woods up. <laughs> now, just to play devil's advocate, I just this morning looked at the world rankings in 2002 and how they looked then compared to now tiger woods you won't be surprised to hear was the world number one his points average was 15 and a half points world number two was phil mickelson his points average was 9.04 so to say that tiger woods was dominating golf in 2002 would be a slight understatement just to put that in perspective, this are, these are the current uh, world rankings. Dustin Johnson is at number one, 9.75. Rose at two, 9.01. Kepka at three, 8.83. McElroy four, 8.10. Thomas five. Tiger Woods is six, 7.46. So from that, you can glean that golf is very, very competitive in comparison to 2002. But mm. is there a reason you two, why Tiger Woods won't win this? What is the reason that he doesn't win this, in your opinion? Or do you think he does win it? If he slips getting off his boat. <laughs> it's not a boat, it's a ferry. It's, it's, it's a yacht. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's a, it's monstrous. I mean, there's, is there is there anything that like he doesn't stack up in for what we're looking for this week? Uh, he's t- he's tidy off the tee. He's long enough when he wants to. He's can move the ball both ways now. He's not short, but you know he can definitely pump it out there when he needs to. But he doesn't feel the need to. If you were being really anally retentive, you'd you'd re- you'd say he's not long enough. But that's I don't believe that. But he's three, he's, he's averaging three hundred yards off the tee, which is fifty second in the ranking. But he he, yeah, he, he can but he can blast it when he he was out driving Tony Fee now in that final round. At yeah, Augusta, yeah, he's he, he's fine, no problem at all right. for the so the, so the driving's not an to. issue. His total driving's fantastic this season. That's that's been the revelation amidst all this. He's he's thirteenth in the total driving category. Where last year he was all over the place off the tee, so he sorted the driver out. He was top of that uh, stat you mentioned a second ago, the GIL percentage rather than the fairway the season yeah yeah what was why what's the only the only reason that i 
to be fair, I wish I'd have worked out these numbers beforehand. The only reason that I didn't go with him was the basis that he's been totally inactive since Augusta. And I did see an interview with him with, uh, that said, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, so he hadn't even picked up a club for two and a half weeks after he'd won. He was just trying to get his head around what he'd just done. But with Tiger Woods, it could be as obvious that he actually just walks up and, you know, it's a tactical golf course where scoring is going to be is going to be high, yeah? It just screams Tiger Woods, really. I, I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. There's. You can say the same about all of the guys at the top. I'm not sure there's a completely valid reason to suggest that he doesn't win, or Dustin Johnson doesn't win, or Rory McIlroy doesn't win, or Brooks Kepka doesn't win. Because as the bookies have highlighted, with the fact that they've been unable to split all four of them at the top of the market, um, they've all got a massive chance. They've all got a huge chance. Um, it's going to come down to who performs on the week um, if it's going to be one of those four but it's not necessarily going to be one of those four either just out of interest if t- when we looked at this last well, week Woods was favourite yeah. and then his price has drifted over the weekend and it drifted yesterday why have the bookmakers pushed his price out slightly because he hasn't played I was just about to say if he had played once since the Masters and had say a top 20 mm. reasonable performance he'd be clear favourite I think it's because I think it's because he hasn't played. That's the doubt, isn't it? That was the doubt in my mind. Do you, think- you imagine the support he's going to get this week in New York? <laughs> I would not like to. It'd be, it'd be so tough to play with him this week. Mm. I mean, that could be a reason that um, who's he's with uh, Molinari and Kepka. Kepka, that could make life difficult for them. Mm. Mm. It's going to be wild those first two rounds. It did enter my mind. I did a, I did some head-to-head analysis with Kepka paired with Woods, and for the first four or five, or I think it was even seven rounds, Woods beat him every time. Last few, though, Kepka's actually reversed that out. So, um, yeah, if Kepka does win this and he's been paired with Tiger the first two rounds, that's just an um, unbelievable performance in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put into. I mean, going back to the point that he hasn't played for that that uh, you know since since uh, Augusta, um, when he won the oh, sorry when he was second at the PGA Championship last year, he'd played the week before at, um, at Bridgestone. When he won the Tour Championship, he'd played the BMW Championship a fortnight before, so the previous event. You got it. And um, when he won the Masters this year, he'd played the WGC Match Play a couple yeah. of weeks before. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, when he's come from slightly longer break, um, so the Players' Championship, he was 30th. He hadn't played for three weeks. He The start of the year, 20th at uh, Farmers Insurance Open. He hadn't, that was his first, his first event for six weeks. The Hero World Challenge before that, short field, 17th. He hadn't played for 10 weeks. When he has performed at his best recently, it has been off of a recent warm-up um, that's... Uh, kind of set the tone for his uh, his performance doesn't mean he doesn't do it this week he could have been you know he could be sharp as a sharp as a knife but um, if you're trying to pick holes trying to validate not backing Tiger Woods this week then that's probably the only thing you can pick up on I think do you know what you just told me he wins the US Open at Pebble Beach <laughs> 
Hmm. Two weeks before the memorial. Yeah. Mm. Saunters round to a, a T6 and then wins. A, and wins then wins his beloved Pebble Beach. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. And actually, you look at the Open Championship this year, that, you know, with the greatest of respects, he will not be playing the John Deere Classic, the 3M Open in Blaine, Minnesota. And he won't be playing the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club either, will he? In the three weeks leading up to the Open. Do you reckon he'll come across and play the Scottish Open? That could be the way around it, or the Irish Open or something like that. They've they've set it up, haven't they, so that players can pick or choose the the links setup that they want for for honing their game. I think think of an elite player, it would be foolish not to. I know Molinari took a different approach to it last year and that's well documented, but he had played at least. Um, oh, he had. He, he played the John Deere Classic, hopped on the old um, charter flight and came over to Scotland, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. That's what um, I'm thinking. I think uh, for someone like, as you were saying, someone like Tiger who needs some action before mm. a major, it would appear, for him to actually come over to one of those European Tour events would make a lot of sense. Doesn't yep. seem to be his style, though. But based on based on the way he's prepping up for the, these things, he doesn't seem to play the week before. No, as a way of re- preserving energy. So that would, you know, that puts the Irish Open in La Hinch wow. right in uh, right in the crosshairs, you, which would be something else. You, you imagine the uh, excitement if uh, if if he were to turn up at uh, at La Hinch, as you say. Which makes a level of sense, you know. Stay in Ireland, and stay there for another week, and then uh, yeah, up to Northern. Grab Europe. another couple, grab another couple of links courses on the way up. Yeah, and then uh, then up to Portrush a couple of weeks later. We shall see that. Uh, but yes, I think yeah, you know, I, I think you can see a number of these players will pop along for either the Irish or the Scottish, given their uh, given the logic prior to the Open Championship. So we've discussed the top four in the market. Um, I think personally, it's difficult to see either Kepka or Woods out of the frame for a top ten each way, or even a top eight return. If you're looking mm. at a simple straight mm. of of the yeah. of the four, in my opinion, I, I'm favouring Kepka and Woods. I don't think there's anything earth shattering. Well, saying that, I suppose a lot of people have a completely opposite view and would be all over Dustin Johnson. Yeah, so, given his given his Poana performances in the past and length. Yes. Yeah, it's a a bit of a conundrum this week. You do have to just go with one of them, though, don't you? If you're going to... They're so short, and if you're backing them each way... Yeah. You're you're tied to just going for one, really. Or, or, I mean... I don't know. I find it hard to separate... uh, I'd favour Kepka and Woods for, you know, that... um, In my confidence for getting the top ten... I'll tell you my four from my betting preview, which is available in the description box. I've gone as straightforward as Brooks Kepka at the top. Um, I've also backed Justin Rose, who I think is rounding into some form. If he straightens out his driver this week, I think he's going to be a big, big feature. Rose. Um, don't forget, he won on pure Poana Greens at Torrey Pines, where he, he eclipsed the very, very strong field that week. And as we discussed in the um, preview show 
last week, if you're looking at correlating course form, when you look at winners here, the likes of Glover, Woods, Watney, they are all over Torrey Pines like a rash. All of those players have got great records at Torrey Pines. So I think Justin Rose is worth a little bet for me. Um, I've also gone uh, for the X-Man, Xander Chauflet, who's actually drifted out to 30-1 to this morning, Paul. Yeah, there's not much love for him, which I, I, I want him as well. Um, and um, I'd say no reason not to back him. But yeah, given how he raises his game for the major championships... Um, I'm surprised more people haven't latched onto it, but uh, clearly not. Clearly, there's preference for other players in the market this week um, in terms of who people are backing. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned to both of you guys Sergio Garcia, and there was a little bit of 66 to 1 available. Then he played well at Quail Hollow, and people have suddenly got their heads around the fact that he plays Beth Page brilliantly. And I managed to get on at 50 to 1 yesterday with Betfred. That's all long gone. The best price with one bookmaker now is 45 to 1. He's generally a 40 to 1 shot on Sergio. One thing I just want to get out there as well, and I forgot to to do this, but I'm going to mention it now. There was a tweet went out last night from Nelson Adcock. uh, Proper respect to Nelson for this. He's pulled together some analysis of strokes gained in recent majors. And what he's done, he's compared the strokes gained total for players both in non-majors and majors. And this is what he's this is what the analysis found. Uh, Kepka sits at number one. Ricky Fowler is at number two, Barry. Tiger Woods at three. Spieth at four. Finau. Kucha, Matsuama, Reed, Molinari, Rose, DJ, McElroy, Fleetwood, and then X-Man, Xander Schofle down in 15th spot. But the thing I found interesting was, is when you're comparing strokes gained on non-majors to strokes gained in majors. Now, you take Brooks Kepka, who heads the actual pole. He averages over two strokes better per round total in majors as opposed to non-major competitions, tournaments. Yeah. You look at Ricky Fowler, he averages, on average, a stroke better per total in majors as opposed to non-majors. So, you know, this is a view that shows you players that peak for majors. Someone that's also very high in that category, unsurprisingly, is Xander Schofle, who averages almost a stroke better in majors as he does in non-majors. If you take the top 25, though, in this analysis that Nelson pulled together, there are four players that actually perform worse in majors than they do in non-majors. And those four are John Rahm, Paul Casey, Jason Day and Dustin Johnson. Mm. I thought that was just a very um, enlightening synopsis of how... Pl- and how, how it works in, you know, in your own psyche, how players seem to do better in majors than they do for non-majors and how you back some players in non-majors rather than in majors, just from what you see from results and just what happens. I thought that was a very, very good piece of analysis. It means yeah. Jack, I'm sure, when Dustin Johnson walks it, but just an well, interesting, no, I, interesting angle. No, I I, it is interesting. I retweeted it there from our, the Good Talk Golf account. Well done, so, 
uh, easy, easy access for the listeners. As again, it kind of backs up the stats that you mentioned a, a, a few minutes ago, Steve, with Dustin Johnson and his um, his ratio of um, mm. top performances versus major starts. And um, Paul Casey, I can understand as well. Um, you know, we've, we've seen him. He's generally a pretty short price, given you know what we should expect from his game for for the majors, and then kind of flatters to deceive um, generally. Um, but yeah, I, the one that surprised me there a little bit was Jason Day, I think, because clearly he has um, he has the ability and the history to be able to perform at the majors. But so, but yeah, perhaps you know, given given that relative to the rest of his uh, performances on non majors, that's uh, I suppose in a way it stay. works, doesn't it? Because he's won one major, but actually, you look at the WGCs and the big big PGA Tour tournaments that he's won, mm. um, and he's won one major. Yeah. So yeah, I can I can kind of see that. I tell you who else, um, Matt Kuchar was an interesting number. He performs in majors over a stroke better than he does in non-majors. Matt Kuchar, mm-hmm. and I must say, this brings me back to who I've backed and who I haven't backed. I thought Kuchar was an interesting play this week from an each way perspective. I don't think he's got the length to win, but I think there's worse fifty to one bets out there. The other player that I liked a little bit deeper in the mid-pack, who I think will go well. Again, I don't think he's got the length to win it, but we know that he's a, he's a real strategy kind of guy. He's a proper um, fairways and greens man, and the fact that his putter isn't at the mo- is most fluent at the moment is pretty academic around here, is Henrik Stenson. If there had been a fifth tip for me this week, it would have been Henrik. Mm. I think he's going to yes, have a, he's going to have a good week this week, Henrik Stenson. Stenson's back. He's back. Mm. He's playing well. He yeah, playing you, well. Backed, you've backed him, Baron. I have. Yeah, he's one of my guys. I'm uh, I'm back to believing again. The, the faith is strong. Mm. So it's if 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 his driver is, is his friend this week when he takes it out of the bag, um, we're in business he, because yeah. he's hitting. A bundle of greens, like so many. He's, he's um, going to have to take that driver out. And I know he, he loves his three-wood. Absolutely. He's, he's incredible with that three-wood, but he's going to need that little bit of extra little bit of extra grunt every now and again, isn't he? And that's, yeah. that's going to be the test. If if the drive, if it cooperates for him, we, we could have a really good shot. And um, yeah, I got on him at 60 to 110 places. So I watched some of the live coverage yeah. on Friday from um, uh, from Trinity Forest. He actually picked, he actually drove driver a couple of times. Now I know they're 60 60 uh 60 yard fairways but he was actually taking driver. Maybe it's that's why he's he played it, out, it. Maybe that's exactly why he played it cuz he knew that it yeah. would, he, he would have to use driver a lot more. Mm. Mm. Getting warmed up. He's, who else you on Barry? He's playing better. Who, who else are you on Barry? Who else am I on? Um Gary, big Gary Woodland. Um he's got uh Ty's second in total driving, uh, which was, uh, yeah, one of the stats we were talking about earlier. Um, what else did, were the reasons I picked Gary? I mean, obviously, aside from the fact that he's awesome and he hits these low stinger iron shots. <laughs> um, where was the stat on his... He His last time out here at uh, Bethpage in 2016, he finished fourth. So he's good on those classical courses, the 
low scoring, well, sorry, not, uh, not birdie fest courses. So his majors record's not phenomenal, but I think that's built into his price, or at least I'd like to think so. And so I was able to get him at 66 to one, 10 places. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, we all know he's not a great putter, but we don't think putting no. uh, the lights out is going to be required this week. So if you can just get your uh, greens in regulation and uh Grab the odd birdie here and there, yeah, and avoid do some bogey. Yeah. Bit, bit of bogey avoidance would also help. Where is he on that stat? Okay, he's not amazing on the bogey avoidance stat, so uh, we'll see. Oh, yeah, lo- logically, his game style should uh, should work nicely around Beth Page. Can't can't dispute that. I don't think. Who have you backed, Paul? Um, apart from Xander, who. I, I agree with everything you said, and I think he does raise his game. I think he raises his total driving game when it gets gets to the majors as well. I think he just focuses his um, efforts and his approach and uh, his mindset on these big big events. And I, I mentioned a podcast I'd listened to ahead of the Masters where he was talking about how he feels more comfortable when the when the challenge is um, tougher, when the challenge is uh, you know is more of a more of a mental stretch, and I, I, you know he's, he's a he's a major champion in the making for me. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. While while whilst the price isn't prohibitive, I'll be I'll be backing him um, for. He's a major, for major also bet for you, isn't he? I thought I'd follow you in. Yeah, on that one. yeah. I, I, I can't, you know until he gets down to the silly price levels and um, it makes mm. it uh, you know unrealistic in terms of his real chance. I, I thought twenty eight to one with. Uh, with 10 places was well worth taking. Um, I've backed two longer shots. I have backed Scott Piercy. Um, I've got him early doors at 200 to 1 with 10 places each way. He has been backed off the boards. There's a bit of 150s around um, with a few places less or less or 125s with with 10 uh, right now. But um, I mean, when I did my initial analysis for, for this, um, Piercy was drifting towards the bottom of the... Uh, driving distance stats, which kind of put me off a little bit with it. But uh, if you go back historically, he was uh, in 2016 37th for driving distance average on the PGA Tour, so averaging 298. He was 74th in 2017, 92nd last year. If you look at him this year for the season to date, he's sitting in 154th. So, you know, if you're looking for um, a total driving stat, if you're looking for distance and accuracy, you'd look at it and think, well, actually, probably. You know, he's not hitting it far enough. But I, I suspect that's either down to the way that the individual holes that he's been measured on has stacked up this year um, or he's, uh, he's chosen proactively to to rein back on certain measured holes to enable him to hit fairways. And, and hitting fairways is absolutely what he's been doing. Um, last week, 92.9%. I know they were you know, massively wide fairways, but you've still got to hit them. Um, so he's second in the field for driving accuracy last week, fourth for greens and regulation, first for scrambling, didn't make a bogey all week. First player since Lee Trevino, I read, in 1974 to go 72 holes without a bogey. Um, led greens and regulation at the Heritage before that. Um, I think he he's accurate, he acts on soft courses. Um, first for par three scoring for the season, third for par four scoring. There's only two par fives. So if you're nailing these par threes and par fours, then um, then I think you're going to go particularly well. Um, 
can he do it at a major? I mean, we saw him finish second at the US Open in 2016. He finished second at Firestone that year as well, a couple of weeks later. Um, following that, he came here um, three or four weeks later. So after that, after those two second place finishes, he finished miscut, miscut 63rd. Then he came here, finished 22nd. So um, a marked improvement over his previous three starts. I thought at the price on offer, I just couldn't resist it, I must say. Scott Pearson, the other one I've backed is a bit more left field. Um, Ross Fisher, 350 to 1. Um, his best major finish was here in 2009. And if you listen to the European Tour commentary, um, they consistently talk about Dennis Pugh bigging him up, Dennis Pugh sure that he's going to um, put something together very soon. And if you look at his stats, he is seems to be very, very close. It's generally the, the putter that's just not quite working for... For uh, for Ross, but but last week one point seven zero putting average, sixteenth in the field. That's a marked marked improvement for a guy who can hit fairways, can hit greens. He um he topped driving distance on the European Tour last year. Again, you got the vagaries of how it's measured. I understand that, but he's long enough. Um, and if you look at some of his recent scoring, a couple of sixty fives in Saudi. Um, he was 10th after day one in Qatar, 66 in round three at the May Bank in Malaysia, um, 67 day one in China where he sat seventh. He was 68-65 last week, second going into the weekend at Hillside. Um, there's enough little snippets of form out there to, to make me think that he can go well enough to justify his price, I think. Um, other things to, to fall back on. First with Green's regulation, the Maybank. Um, he won at Killarney, uh, the Irish Open back. Uh, forget, forget the year, a few years ago now. Um, that was on Bent Power. He was third at Chapultepec in 2017 in Mexico on the pure power greens there. Eighth for putting that week on power greens. Um, lots to like. 350 to one I got with him. Seven places. I thought I'd take a chance with that. We shall see. Oh, I hope that I hope not going for ten places doesn't bite you in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I you, suppose you have to take a trade off, don't you? There's, you know, I, I was tempted to put them up on the exchange actually, just over six hundred. But <laughs> I think, I think, I think win only might be uh, making making a bit of a stretch. But he's finished. Uh, he finished fifth here, I think it was in two thousand and nine. I think I think he's capable. I think he's got the right game, and I think he's capable. You, uh, I have to, I have to commend you for not going for the uh, exchange and actually taking some places. <laughs> As we've said in the past, Paul sees a guy at two hundred to one, but he's like, oh, he's ten trillion on the exchange. I'm gonna buy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the greedy dollar signs just appear in front of my eyes. Oh yeah, I mean, he's a lock to win, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're, they're the three that I've backed so far. I, 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 I may well go for some more, but um, I, we'll see how it goes over the next day or two. Guys, I, I have I have visions in my head for this week of the winner. Go on. Um, I, I can't stop picturing him lifting up the Wanamaker on Sunday. Uh, it's Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, again. Hideki-san. The uh, he the challenge from Cesar Green kind of kind of works. He's yeah. he's jumping in on all, he's just again another one that flagged uh, for me on all those stats. So look uh, back to that Nelson Adcock tweet. He's almost a stroke better in majors. Yeah. He is twenty seventh in total driving. 
He's plenty long enough. If he can just tidy it up a little bit and hit a few more this week, he is in business. He is good on that uh, greens and reg from other than fairway stats. So even if he, his driver is a little bit off, I'm not too worried. He is 23rd in bogey avoidance. And he is 3rd in strokes gained T to green. We know he doesn't need to put amazing. If he could just put half decent this week and match it up with those stats and his little one extra or almost one extra strokes gained per round in the majors. I think he's in, in with a great shout. We've gone silent. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can I can see all the logic. I mean, yeah. this, this is the point with the tournament, isn't it? There's, you can you can look at an individual player and fancy him and, and quite rightly make a really strong case for him. Hmm. And my head has done that, so my wallet has paid for it. <laughs> the bet, the bet is on, and uh, I don't know. I just it, it, something, something in my head is there. The visual is there of him lifting it, big happy face on him. He's got, he's got a major uh, in him. Uh, he has got a major in him, Hideki. And whether it's uh, whether it's this one, it's, the PJ is probably the the one that is is going to work from the best as well, logically. He's been and he's been just tipping along nicely for the last you know two three months. Nothing spectacular, but just it's been building up nicely. Has had a couple of good results in uh, the PGA. He, the only black mark against him, if we're going to pick holes in it, is he has played uh, Beth Page once and he missed the cut in twenty sixteen. So that is the uh, that's the only thing against it. But uh, didn't it didn't stop me. I think Hideki might pop up when actually there's no expectation on his shoulders, which would be something like this week. I, I, I can remember him going off at 9-1, to one, was it, for the PGA Championship in 2017? <laughs> Every man was on him. And I think it told yeah. in the end. He, he he was leading or he was very close to the lead, wasn't he, with going down the stretch. And in the end, JT came through and took it. So yeah, like there was the, the, year, the year after he'd won the um, one at Akron, wasn't it? It was the week um, after, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's clearly got the game for the for the major for for the majors. So it's uh, I don't I think there's worse bets out there than Matsuama. Um, I've got a bomb, a bomb. I've got a bomb bet: hundred and fifty to one, ten places each way with Coral. And when I when I look on our predictor model and I just put in Poa and Nua Putters, this particular chap sits in the uh, top twenty for results on pure Poana greens. And um, I can remember him leading the U.S. Open at Oakmont uh, after fifty four holes on pure Poana greens in twenty sixteen. I can also remember him winning a World Golf Championship at Firestone on bent power greens. Uh, that was back in 2015. And it became very clear to me at the Heritage when I was sitting on my sun lounger down in front of Ventura and his name popped up at the top of the leaderboard that he was clearly starting to find something. Um, 11th for driving distance that week, 12th for driving accuracy, 3rd for total driving, and 5th for greens in regulation. Which, when you think about it, isn't a bad set of numbers. Mm. Eventually finished 3rd. 
Um, I'm just reaching round to get the strokes gain numbers for that particular week for this individual. He was fourth for strokes gained off the tee. He was fourth for strokes gained around the green. So good scrambling game. Strokes, uh, strokes gained tee to green, he was eighth. I think Shane Lowry could go well this week. Yeah. New York, lots of Irish support. A very Northern European feel to the golf course. I think Lowry could go very well. And you've always said to me, Paul, when it, with the thing with Lowry, when he starts driving the ball with confidence and accuracy, that's when he starts to click. Hmm. So I thought Shane Lowry's worth a little uh, top 10 action this week each way. Yeah, yeah. as you say, there's that, that year that he finished uh, finished behind Dustin Johnson, didn't it, the, the US Open, where mm. he was right in the mix of that. that and year. he doesn't mind a tough assignment, does he, clearly? No, no, no. When he's playing well, he's, uh, there's a lot to like about his game. Mm. So Lowry, that's my bomb. Any more bombs from you, Barry? That's an, the Larry one is interesting. I hadn't considered that. I've just I've had him in my head as playing poorly for so long, and I just didn't see a, a way out. But there has been uh, there's been green shoots recently, yeah. haven't there? Yeah, that third came off the back of form of miscut, 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 and then he just popped up at Harbour Town. Yeah, he he does love New York. Yeah, and clearly won Abu Dhabi earlier earlier this year, didn't he? So there's some underlying yeah. form there. I think he got engaged in New York, but he, he does. He certainly, lo- or was it married in New York? One or the other, or both. He loves the place anyway. So yeah, that's a uh, caught caught me off guard, Steve. Just to, I mean, this one's just gr- jumped off the screen at me as well. Twelfth at last year's PGA Championship. That one passed me by. So yeah, there's a lot to like about Shane Lowry this week. I think that's a good mm. bomb bet. Are you are you into any bombs? I thought you I thought you were into I do. I do, I do, I do. I love them. You love them. I, uh, yeah, they're so much fun. I have a few. And and the great thing is you have ten places this week, so if a couple of them fail, at least I get a sweat out of them for a couple of euro and they're they're a lot of fun. Um one of my favourite players, Ryan Moore. Uh, I think we we talked about him earlier. I don't need to go too in depth, uh further in depth. He... He's, he is short, and that's against him, but his record around here is superb. 7th, 24th, and 10th the last three times he's played Beth Page. Loves a grind, and um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about him. If you, I think you either love Ryan Moore or you don't. Uh, I love him, so I've uh, I've got Ryan Moore. Uh, I did back Julian Suri, um, purely on the, the length and the New York angle. Didn't have to think too much about it. 200 to 1, 10 places. I'll happily, you know, if he grabs a place, um, wonderful stuff. Who else was I looking at? Daniel Berger likes a grind. He can he can grind it out. He's been he's back from injury, starting to show some uh some good signs of uh his game coming together. Where has he done? Yeah, no, nothing too great in his results, like 33rd, 54th, 23rd, the last three outings. Uh, but, yeah, I just, just something something about him. He's just got that grit and determination that feels like it could be a good thing to have on your side this week. Does and, drive the ball uh, straight, Berger. Yeah. That's, that's the attribute that always jumps out at me on his stats. 
Yeah, not too long, but you know it's uh, yeah, coming in from the fairways. You think, but yeah, he's a decent driver of the golf ball. Yeah, and uh, who else? We did mention him last on the the preview show uh, last week. Uh, one one really long one as uh, Evior Eric Van Royen. Uh, I, I think it might be his first or second major ever, uh, but just hits the ball a country mile. Playing very well at the moment, and I didn't go too much deeper into my analysis on him, and just uh, threw the threw the bet out there. Grabbed at two fifty to one ten places. Yeah, that was uh, Van Royen who played well at last year's um, Open Championship, didn't he? He was uh, he, that there. That's the one. My bad. Yeah, he's uh, he was really impressive that week. He was. I mean, he, he drifted down, finished seventeenth in the end, but. Um, Right up until Sunday, he was in a in a great spot. So, good bit of experience for him, and um, you know, at the price and off, he could take a chance that he's going to going to get close to that top ten again. I can see the logic. Yeah, just a lot of lot of little fun punts just to keep myself interested. It's probably not the smartest financial sense, but um, with ten places, it's just hard to resist. And if one of them uh, lands, I'm I'm laughing. So, very good, very good. Well, best of luck, chaps. Indeed, best of luck to you. guys you. too. Best of luck to the listeners. Yep. Should be a great major. Mm. We're coming back later today, Paul, aren't we, to do our DraftKings show? Yes, yes, late, late on Saturday. You've opted out of that one, Barry, am I correct? Unfortunately, uh, work work's getting in the way of that Terrible. one. Yeah, I know, it's brutal. If only I could be a trust fund baby, life would be so much easier. <laughs> Very fair point. It was a it was a blast as ever, chaps. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, we'll get this produced and out to the listeners as quickly as we can. And to the listeners, thank you for your uh, support on this particular show. We do produce the podcast each and every week covering the World Golf Championships, PGA Tour, European Tour, and of course the four majors. So uh, why don't you give us a follow on your podcast facilitator? Thank you, and we will uh, see you again very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>